Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? Yeah, DC, I can't call it. Hey, what's happening, fellas? Just came from getting my workout in, man. Feeling pretty strong right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Over there putting up some iron. What, what you putting up these days, uh, A-Dub? Hey, but you got to get in the gym with me, brother. That's what you got to do. <laughs> you will see for yourself. I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Well, I don't know now. I don't know if you can hang out with me on these workouts now, A-Dub. I'm in the four-play club <laughs> on the bench press. You got to get your weight up fucking with me. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> you ain't lying. I know what you look like. And <laughs> hey, you invited too, D.C. Hey, man, I know I'm out here looking like T.I. in his prime, but, hey. You know, <laughs> kind of, kind of up a little bit, you know, throw me a couple 45s on there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll be all right. Oh, this man said oh. T.I. in his prime. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, it's all good, D.C. It's all good, brother. You got to start somewhere, though. Hey, if Will Smith could do it, you know, the movie roles, man, Hollywood throw me a bag, man. I'll get in shape real quick. <laughs> That's what's up, man. And A-Dub, good job getting that workout in, because when we done here, I'm in there myself. That's what I'm talking about. No days off. As always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. You can find the Crave It app on Apple or Android applications. Please join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. Fellas, before we kick off this show, I would be remiss if I didn't give a huge salute to Walter Payton. So this week here marked the 22nd year anniversary of his passing. And I just want to get you guys' thoughts on him. You know, you all know how I feel about Walter Payton. He's a staple here, not only just in Chicago, but I think in the NFL world, as a man, as an athlete, as a player. And A-Dub and I, on our other podcast, had a guest that came on the show. And I think he was trying to give salute to Walter Payton, and I still wasn't comfortable with the fact that he even uttered his name. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I am as far as Walter Payton is concerned, y'all. <laughs> Hey, I feel you on that, press. I do, man. You ain't let the brother get nothing off on that for missing Walter Payton. But for me, man, Walter Payton is the GOAT when it comes down to running backs, man. And um, he set the standard. So it's always we remember in Chicago. He's done an amazing job for us. And you, again, as we mentioned before, he is durable as they come, man. So salute to Walter Payton. Yeah, I know we, we've touched on him uh, in the past on previous episodes. But, man, what more can you say? Just a, a humble, gentle, strong, like, spirited man you know like you can see it in his children you know they've grown up to be very successful individuals in their own right and just the foundation that he laid in chicago i mean i was i was coming up late 80s man and just he was a household name you know he was somebody like you know like like he's part of the family like you know somebody to be proud of in the city uh and then the fact that he, he you know had had the bears you know and just like just he already made his mark in that that organization that led us to such a young age, man. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and you know what? He had fun out there. Think about that for a second. He played one of the most yes. violent positions out there in a very violent time. The NFL back in those days is different than the NFL right now. And not only did Walter Payton play in that type of league, he thrived. He delivered punishment. He wasn't out there letting people tee off on him. He wasn't <laughs> running out of bounds. That was one of the things that I always remember about him. And to DC's point, we have talked about Walter in the past. And you know what, audience? This is somebody that you guys are going to continue to hear us talk about because this guy right here is the epitome of what it means to be Chicago hard. We talk about that in the open. That is what this guy is all about. That's what he represents. Rest in peace, sweetness, man. Rest in peace, sweetness. Rest in peace. 
the next piece of business I wanted to discuss with you guys, and this has just been some little online debates that I've been getting into with some folks, you know? <laughs> and so I wanted to toss this over to my brothers here on the Chicago State of Mind podcast to see what y'all were thinking about this. So I put up a post on Twitter, and I said that not only is Candace Parker the GOAT, but I said I think that she's the current face of the WNBA. And I had some people saying, oh, you're only saying that because she just recently won the title. And so I'll give you guys my rebuttal to those people with, uh, when you guys get through. But I want to get you guys' thoughts. Candace Parker, you call fair or foul on my her being the face of the WNBA post. I'll tell you what, guys. You know how I feel about Candace Parker. You know, in, in another life, you know, man, me and her would be on a beach somewhere right now. <laughs> probably got a couple basketballs we just kind of like working on our handles a little bit you know but, you know and that's another way but in this life in this life right here candace parker is not only the goat but she is the face of the wnba because her accolades speak for themselves mm-hmm. name someone else's resume put someone else's resume head to head next to hers and and, and see how they stack with that being said, whose resume do you stack up against hers? Because I had some people that hit me with your girl, Lisa Leslie. They hit me with Cynthia Cooper. Some people even hit me with the young lady to play for the Lynx, Maya Moore. Do you guys feel that those people are appropriate? Do you feel like that some people are being missed out of that conversation? Diana Taurasi, maybe? Yeah. Hey, praise. I'm with you there. I will say, you know what? Diana Taurasi is a name you can bring out there. To me, she's probably one of the best offensive players I've ever seen play this game. She's been around for a long time, but she has held it down. So she's probably been one of the most consistent players. She's one of those I will say you got to put in that conversation. So back to the topic at hand here, a great point, A-Dub. But when you look at Candace Parker against all those names, I would say Diana Taurasi is probably the most accomplished. But if I think about the face of the league, and I still, and, and the people on Twitter, I love good debates. So just remember, keep them coming. I love it. But I think Candace Parker, you got to think about it. First female basketball player to grace the cover of the NBA 2K. We talked about Correct. that earlier in the summer. Now, y'all think about that. Two-time MVP. She's won two championships. I just like the fact that Candace Parker is the face of not only the WNBA, but I think she's the face of female sports right now. You have young women, young girls out here whether it's basketball, baseball, whatever the endeavor may be, they're seeing what she did with that Chicago Sky team. And there's a little girl right now that's probably getting some shots up with her dad or her mom right now. That's why I think that she's the current face of this league. Yes, I agree. You can make a case for her. I think she's one of the faces, you know, like it is in the NBA. There are multiple faces in the NBA. I think for WNBA, I think there are multiple people. I think Sue Bird is another one I would think, you know, who's also one of the faces of the WNBA. I mean, Sue Burr is a four-time champion. She won the previous year. You know, this year, of course, Kenneth Parker won. But before that, year of 2020, you had Sue Bird and Co. You know, she led her team to that. And she's been a big advocate for Black Lives Matter. She played a big part with uh, organized the WNBA to play a pivotal role for that um, senator in Georgia. With him getting that the Senate role, she played a big part in organizing that for WNBA, having them wear shirts and all that good stuff. So she played a big part outside of on um, the WBA as well as Candace Parker does. So I would just say, think about competition-wise, I will say she's probably in competition with Candace Parker for what she have done. Well, you already know how I feel about Sue Bird now, because I'll risk it all. Which <laughs> definitely <doesn't laughs> To me, the woman that I feel is closely, you know, like you could kind of like carve out a niche side by side and they would almost look identical would be Cheryl Miller. Ooh, talk that talk, D.C., I see a young Cheryl Miller in Candace Parker. And, <laughs> and if you think about how Cheryl Miller impacted the, the NBA game, like people in the NBA respect Cheryl Miller's game, just like people in the NBA respect Candace Parker's game. And then you see her on TNT, you know, you see her on NBA TV, like she's able to do both, you know, and she's still a mom, you know, she's still doing the off the court things too. She had a brother that played in the NBA, just like Cheryl Miller. I just feel like Candace Parker's career is nowhere near getting started. I feel like she's going to impact the game of basketball as a whole for for many years to come. And that's an incredible point, DC, because most people, when they think about the best female player of all time, Cheryl Miller's the first name that pops up. So I really love that one. You ever hear the story that she tells about the time that she scored 100 points in the game and Reggie's father picked Cheryl and and Reggie up from his game. And I guess Reggie was, like, feeling himself because he scored 20 points in the game and wouldn't stop talking about it. 
So I guess he looked over at Cheryl and was like, well, how many did you score tonight? And I guess they said her and her father started laughing. And she's like, oh, 105. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is what's up. But you know what, man? That's a good story you told right there, Prez. It just got me thinking about, we all think about Candace Parker. You know, it just got me thinking about, I never seen somebody come to the WNBA like she did. I mean, rookie of the year and MVP in the same season. I mean, that's some very big impact right there. Play for a big market at that. So as we talk about with Los Angeles. So, I mean, I have no issues with, you know, if you want to consider the GOAT. I, I can roll with that, man, because um, to be doing what she's doing right now at her age and winning the championships, you know, winning this year, it's not all about just stats. You know, I think her impact, and I think people don't talk a lot about that part of the game, the impact, the leadership, all those intangibles. She's the one I see that brings that, man. So for me, I do roll with, you know, with our girl, man. I, I mean, I, I have nothing negative to ever say about her because she's been, man, great on and off the court, as DC was mentioning. And let's not forget this fact, which is the point that I brought up to the gentleman on, on Twitter. The popularity of the WNBA skyrocketed this season. It was no right. coincidence with Candace Parker leaving L.A. to come to Chicago, with the Chicago Sky being that favorite team down the stretch, with the Chicago Sky merchandise selling off of the shelf. Well, you can't even find a Candace Parker jersey right now. And I think those type of things matter. They do. You're definitely right about that. And the fact that her brand, like DC was alluding to, about her, what she does outside of the WNBA with her, you know, being an analyst and commentator. I mean, she's doing great with that, man. And her brand looks awesome. So she's the type of person that's bridging the gap. She's got those followers who watch the NBA and also those followers who watch the WNBA. So the name comes to mind. You think about who's the player to a casual fan. Who's the one in WNBA? Her name rings the bell all the time. Candace Parker. And to piggyback on that point that DC made about the analyst role that she has there on TNT, she does a phenomenal job there. And she goes yes. hit up with Shaq, and she don't let Shaq go on his bullshit comments. <laughs> sure. She's put him in his place on uh, several occasions, and she'll let it be known. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, no, I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that, because like I said, to A-Dub's point, there could be multiple faces. I just think right now she's the primary one. A-Dub, I think on a future episode, we should debate the multiple faces within the NBA. We aren't going to get into that today, but I think that might be a good topic for us to engage in. All right, fellas. Well, in the spirit of getting into some of our Chicago Bulls talk, audience, the Chicago Bulls are red hot. But I want to give some love here to their G League affiliate, the Windy City Bulls. So they're going to be starting their season here in a couple of days. They had their media day today, fellas, and I was in attendance. I was able to interview Marco Samanovic, the Bulls' second-round draft pick there in 2020. I was also able to interview the head coach there, Henry uh, Domus Assange, for the Windy City Bulls. Great conversations, audience. We're going to get the audio together from those discussions. We will post that on the Chicago State of Mind. It'll be available on all streaming platforms. We are credentialed, so we will be covering the Windy City Bulls for the entire 2021 season. So we'll be able to get you guys insight. We'll be able to have player interviews, coaching interviews. We got that access. So we about to hit you guys with that all of 2021, which on the flip side, that's also going to help us when covering the Bulls because then we'll be able to also give you guys some insight and also be able to get you some player interviews for some of the members of the Bulls as well. So very excited about this opportunity. Fellas, before we get into this, just want to get you guys' thoughts on the fact that the Windy City Bulls are back because you remember in 2020, they didn't play in the bubble. Well, it's good to have it all back, Chris. It really is, you know. They're starting to back up, like you mentioned, with, with a new coach, with Henry. Glad to see that formulating. I think he's going to do a good job. I'm excited to see some of the players play, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, too. And I feel like with the buzz that's around the Chicago Bulls right now, it's good to keep that energy going through our G League affiliate uh, you know, you're seeing guys that could potentially be called up or guys that, you know, I just root for guys that can have opportunities around the league. Because what we see a lot of times with G League teams is that, you know, you'll have a really good G League talent, a standout. And even though he may not get called up to his affiliate, he'll still work his way into the league. So great job by Adam Silver and the guys, you know, at the league. So this year, they're actually going to compete within the season. They made that decision last year because of financial reasons. They just didn't want to uh, field the team. They didn't think that it was in the best timing. So what they ended up doing, like guys like uh, Dotson, uh, they had Adam Coco on the team. 
I think it was his name, Austin Spurs, those guys, they ended up shipping them off to play with other G League affiliate teams during that time in the bubble so those guys would be able to get some playing time under their belt. But with those huge financial impacts that came out, the uh, president of the Windy City Bulls, I had a chance to chat with him casually. Uh, it wasn't anything that we recorded, but he mentioned about the fact that they had to make some of those hard decisions over the course of 2020-2021 season at the time, and they had to do a lot of reassignments. They didn't want to let anybody go, so they tried to position people and put them in roles so that way they can keep their job. So that meant like the head coach for the Windy City Bulls at the time, his name was uh, Damian Cotter. He's now actually on Billy Donovan's staff. And that's what opened up the opportunity for Henry to get the head coaching job here this season because Henry was a previous assistant coach in the system there with the Windy City Bulls. And then last year, he was a player development type of person. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so anyway, big story here is the fact that they're back. And I really think this is going to be great because Devon Dotson is somebody that we've talked about on this show Played very well in Summer League. He was someone that was the third-string point guard in 2020. This is a kid. I saw him out there in the media day today. He looks the part. He's got that confidence. He's got that swagger to him. The thing with him, it's going to be tough for him to get to that big league team because look at the guards that they have on that big Bulls team. And it's unfortunate because the kid can play. And I really think he's got a chance to really be a really good player in this league. Yeah, he got a chance to play him for somewhere, Perez, not with the Bulls. I mean, the guy gets the bucket. He can create his own shot. You know, he can hit the three as well. Very good off screen and roll. So, yeah, this kid, man, is coming along, man. So um, I want to see him continue to develop because you're right. At his height being 6'1", you know, it's a lot of competition out there on some of these teams. So I would love to see him, you know, at some point get into the league. Now, one thing, though, you said there is that may not be with the Bulls. I will push back on that because you never know what will happen. Injuries happen in this league all the time. You never know. So there could be a chance and an opportunity that happens for him because Tyler Cook, who was also on a two-way contract, when Patrick Williams went down, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on, that opened up an opportunity for Tyler Cook to come up. Now he's with the big team, so he wasn't there immediate day-to-day. So that's the situation now. Another talented guy there that's in in that G League affiliate team is now getting a shot to play with the big team. Yeah, you make a good point, Perez. It depends on what the Bulls do, you know, with um, Cody and other guys on the roster that could possibly open the door for him. So, again, I'm, I'm all root for it. He does have some talent, man. He can play. Well, not only him, too. You know, you got to look at, you know, Daniel Oturu. You know, he was with the team for a little bit. Marco Simonovic, you know, he's he signed to the team. So, the way this current Bulls roster is set up, it's going to be very difficult for these guys to, uh, unless, you know, you know, knock on wood, unless there's a ton of injuries. But, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, you know, the G League provides those opportunities for guys to go elsewhere sometimes. And, you know, the culture that that, that the Bulls are trying to develop and, 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 and really cultivate here, it's good just knowing as a fan, that, man, we've got these guys waiting in the wings if need be. And they're under the same, they're exposed to the same people, the same talent. Like everybody's on the same page. And we really haven't seen that uh, that much in, in previous years. Yeah, and the one thing too, DC, because that's a good point, from talking with the GM today, we're talking with the coach, we're talking about the president, all their values, they're taken down from the big team. So that DNA right now that Donovan and AK and Mark Eversley have put in place here, that's going down from the top to the bottom. And you can see it in the approach that those guys had out there today. They were taking that thing serious out there at the media day very respectful. They have a good crop of kids there, so I really like that. And you brought up Marco Simonovic's name and audience. I can't wait to drop the interview that that I did with him. Very great kid. Very engaging. And if you guys want to hear what Marco Simonovic's favorite restaurant here in Chicago is so far, definitely tune in because I'm going to be dropping that here very soon. That's what's up right there. I'm glad you brought his name up because, you know, um, DC, I know you've been a big fan of him ever since we brought him over here. So to see him get some time out there now with the G League and getting some development there, that's great. Yeah, I'm really excited. And again, I've been on the Marco Simonovich bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, when marketing, when we lost marketing, I felt like he could come over and and provide some of that type of value uh, that we did lose in Lowry. But I'm, I mean, I'm excited overall. You know, this 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 is a good foundation. This is a good starting point. Um, now it's just up to the G League coaching staff, and you know, just you know, it really, honestly, it's up to each individual player. 
because this is their opportunity. This is their shot. And you see the Bulls right now uh, at the top or hovering near the top of the league, man. Like, it's a better opportunity than ever before. No, it really is. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, audience, the Windy City Bulls home opener, November 17th. Tickets are on sale. Get there. And guess what? We'll be there in attendance. We'll be sitting courtside. So if you want to talk to the Chicago State of Mind podcast, guys, our table is like right there on the baseline. So definitely we'll be there all season. And definitely very excited to see this young crop of talent here that hopefully builds up through the system. But let's talk about the Big Bulls squad right now. So last week, Joe Kim Noah came back home had his appreciation night. And I think they even had a night before where they all got together and had dinner and whatnot. There was pictures all over Twitter. And I got in my feelings like looking at pictures of him and Kurt Heinrich standing next to each other, him and pictures of Luol Dang. And I'm sitting here like, oh, man, I miss those Bulls teams. Those are some of my favorite Bulls teams outside of the dynasty time. But with Joe Kim Noah, guys, he was a fan favorite. And a lot of people probably didn't envision that happening. When Joe Kim Noah got drafted, and you guys remember him at the draft. He had that damn suit on. He kind of looked like a little, bit of, a little bit of a clown. And he had some issues there his rookie year. He got suspended. He was getting into it with Ben Wallace. He had an uneventful start to his Bulls career. However, this man became a fan favorite because he was relentless, had that high mortar, and he was intense. And so, fellas, I would love to hear from you guys one of your favorite moments or plays from the Joe Kim No era? For me, it was how he wasn't afraid of the top guys in the league. So if you think about that Boston series, the other things that he did that made that series so entertaining, so fun to watch. Like, say, for example, you know, him and KG are going at it, trying to grab a rebound. He's clapping. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, he's getting in KG's head. You know what I mean? Like, he he didn't care. He did not back down to the pressure of, oh, I'm a younger guy in the league, and then these are established veterans or, you know, these are all-stars. He didn't care. He was out there giving it his all, and, and it showed, man. It, it, was, it was contagious. Hey, that's what's up there, man, DC. Yeah, Noah's a character, man. He's, some type of, he's, he's a character, man. You got to love him, though. I mean, the guy plays a lot of passion. You kind of love a guy like that. And I like the point that Prince brought up with him and how he went about, you know, um, his antics that time frame, getting into it with people. But that's just who Noah is. He's a hard worker. But one of the things that I remember with him is getting into it with LeBron in the way, you know. He didn't like LeBron joking and playing around because there's blowing the bulls out. You know, Noah, <laughs> Noah's going to say something. You know, he don't play them games. He's going to say something, you know. Right. I remember him making a mocking right. joke to them like, hey, who go to Cleveland? Nobody go to Cleveland vacation. I'll never forget them saying that at the podium, though, that's but... Awesome. I just know Noah, man. Noah's the kind of guy who ain't going to back down for anybody, no matter how great of a player you are. So for me, I love a guy like that, man. Now, say you, you guys saw him play at Florida. He had that same passion, that same energy, and he took no prisoners. No, that's a good point. I, I love that because I used to love those battles. And we talked about that in, in the past on the show with the Noah and Cleveland take. But I will say the Noah versus LeBron situation, it definitely heated up when LeBron with the Miami those were must-see TV. That was this great basketball. And I love that. I love that rivalry. You know those guys have respect for each other, but in those lines, whether it was uh, Noah versus LeBron, Noah versus KG, to your point, uh, DC, that guy was not afraid to go head up against some of these premier players in the league. And that's what I liked. And I think that's what endeared him to people here in Chicago because he didn't back down. And I really love that style of play. And we missed that. Honestly, when I look at this team now, and I love our current team, but we miss that leader, that person there that you know, hey, you ain't going to come in here on this court and do that fuck shit here. You ain't going to fuck with us. You ain't going to run over us. And Noah was that guy. He was not letting that shit happen at all. You've got Go players, too, that are in the league that you could tell us a big bark and no bite. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Noah, like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Noah was on. So, so you felt that, that it was genuine. And in the locker room after the game, you know, you've heard Derrick Rose talk about it. Like, that's big bro. You know, he, he genuinely had his teammates back. And so out there in war and battle, you knew that what Joe Team was giving you on the court, he was giving it to you, you know, in the locker room. Like, where, like, you needed to hear something or he needed to say something, he would say it. 
because he believed it and stood up for it. And he and and, and man, he, it just his love for the game. That's that's another thing that's missing too. Honestly, like guys that just really love the game that much. Yeah, you know? and the thing about Noah, man, he wasn't this great offensive juggernaut kind of a guy who could score a lot of points. This guy impacted the game with his energy, his passing ability, his hustling, you know, all those intangibles, also leadership qualities, right? All those intangibles that make you a, a, a good player in the league. So for Noah, man, I got to salute this guy on the defensive end. I mean, he brought it, man. He brought it every night, <laughs> you know, and um, he's, he's one of those guys that you, you Tibbs, you love to coach him. You Billy Donovan, you love to coach a guy like that. No, it's a fair point. Even though I will say, a little bit later in that career, that tornado shot, he started knocking that bitch down. So I think he did start to <laughs> he, he did start to evolve on that game a little bit. But that was yeah. to his credit because he kept working on that. For me, my memory with Noah was that, and DC, you know this one because I think me and you might even be hanging out for this game. It was that game seven Brooklyn Nets game. You remember that when Noah just basically wheeled them to that victory because we were out D Rose in that game. Oh yeah, no yeah, one. What he had? You said what? Well, it was the Nate Robinson team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. But that was just like a clutch game right there because we needed every point that he scored. He put up twenty four points in that game. So to that point that you were making, uh, a dub, you're right. He wasn't known as that type of guy, but in that moment there, he had to score and he did. He did it. Yep, he did it, man. And that's the one thing you you say with him. He was underrated from that standpoint, as you mentioned about scoring wise. But he'll do what he got to do, man. Whatever it takes to win. He'll do it. And I, I remember, man, even out the Bulls lost one game, man. I got to go back to the, the, the part you talked about Miami and how you call those guys Hollywood as hell. And I was like, you know what? Noah's still mad at these guys because, first of all, they didn't win the game. But you know what? He got that heart, man, praise that heart that says, look, I'm going to break it out every day, man. I'm going to put it on the line. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be a dog out there. And I'm not going to let nobody get in the way with anything, man. So Noah's one of those guys, man, that you just, hey, like you guys are saying, is that I'm glad he played for the Chicago Bulls because he fit the DNA. Yeah, yeah, man. There's there's so many days where I sit back and to your point too, Chris, you know, I really, really enjoy watching this year's team. But it's just guys like that are rare. They don't come around now. And Chicago Bulls have gotten a guy like that. Because they look at who got drafted right after Spencer Hall. (laughs) And we could have got Spencer Hall knowing as front office and the type of picks that they made. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, man, like, we really, really were fortunate in, in drafting Joe Kim Noah. We really were. So, hey, shout out to Joe Kim Noah. It was awesome seeing all those former Bulls uh, coming back to the UC. That was dope. And I also give credit to AK and Mark Eversley and Michael Dreinsdorf for making that happen and making this more inclusive because during the last regime, I'm not taking shots here, but I remember when they honored Lou Aldang. It didn't feel like this felt for Joe Kim Noah. And I thought right. Luol Deng deserved just as much of the love that Joe Kim Noah got in this night. But nevertheless, salute to you, Joe Kim Noah. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts because we haven't talked about this yet on the show. Pat Williams, he went down. D.C. and he dub. I think you guys both texted me within minutes of each other. I was traveling at the time, and my phone started blowing up when the news came out that Pat Williams has a, what is it, a fractured wrist injury, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Dislocated wrist in the room. Okay, and so with that injury, he's going to be out four to six months. So this is something that we haven't even chopped it up about yet. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, A, the impact of that injury and what that means for the team, but then also what does that mean for Pat and his young career so far? This kind of sucks to press, just to seeing, you know, what happened to him with the injury part of it. He was a kid who kind of got off to a rough start to the season. And you, you know how it was. He had the injury in the offseason. And it kind of was a setback. And he was working his way back into things. Now he get hit with another setback. So I kind of feel bad for him from a career standpoint. Because, again, he didn't feel part of the team when he came back. It was like he was still trying to find his way. And now he got this injury added to it. It becomes a setback. you know. So when he comes back at some point, where does he fit in with this team going forward? What are they going to bring for him? So I just feel bad for him because a young guy like him, still young in his career, still trying to figure it out. And then now he got these bumps in the road that's hurt that's hurting him right now. I see where you're coming from, A Dub. And while I agree, I'm just gonna flip it from heads to tails. I mean, there's two sides to the coin. I'm gonna take that same information. I'm just gonna flip the perspective on it a little bit because I feel like Patrick Williams needs this kind of person. You know, think about it. Number four overall pick. You know, he had a great, 
great rookie year, even though he didn't uh, do as much offensively as some of the other rookies, LaMelo Ball and such, his position was solidified on this team. You know, it was like he is our starting power forward going into this year. Like, his, his, yeah, his, his pad right. is already set. I get you, you know, but with all of this talent around him, just so that he doesn't get lost in the pace of the game and what basketball is at this level, because think about the level that he's ascending to. He's just going from a team last year that really didn't have any expectations to a team this year that now has expectations. So for him to get injured, I feel like it's going to be good for him spiritually just to soak it all in and let himself decide what this team is missing based off of what he sees and he observes. Because now he can step back, he can work on his body, and he can inject himself at the right time. Because at you know six months at that mark, you're going to be getting ready to go into the playoffs. So it's going to be a whole different mentality and he might be able to give us exactly what's missing at the most needed time. No, that's a good point. Uh, I like what you guys both brought to that discussion. I think the thing when I look at Pat is I think that he put in a ton of work this summer. We talked about it earlier how summer league, he put on muscle. He was working on his shooting. He was working on bringing the ball up. So I thought that this season was going to be our opportunity to see the finishing touches that he put onto his game. So that part, I feel awful for the kid having an injury like this after he had a very promising rookie year. It sucked. But now look, when I look at it moving forward, DC, you made a good point. You know, maybe he will be available to come back for the playoffs and we're going to need him because one thing that people don't realize when they talk about this Bulls team, we're undersized. He was a piece there that brought some of that size to the equation. So now you see with him being out, we've had to go more small ball. I'm sure you've seen that DC how they've had to do with these lineups. Teams know this, and we've seen it. You know, they're, they're, they're taking advantage of it, especially on the boards. Uh, with Pat, though, he's going to be the freshest guy come March, April. So when you got tired legs going into the playoffs and being the Rosen, um, especially on the guys that are trying to fill in for him uh, in uh, Derek Jones Jr. and, and Javante Green, his energy at 20 years old, and that, like you said, to your point, Chris, that work that he put in, he's going to continue to put in more work just off in the shadows, off on the side. And his teammates are going to see it, and they're going to encourage him. So he may come back with that flourish offensive game and be a little bit more aggressive because we started to see it right as he got hurt. He scored, what, six points during that stretch. So, yeah, I mean, it's still there, and we're going to get a chance to see it. Yeah, we'll definitely see, you know. Uh... For me, I'm just I'm very hopeful that he comes back and be great when he comes back, you know, and show us that he's ready for that. But I do understand that sometimes you come back to the game and you have so much time off due to injury, there's some rust there. You know, I'm not saying he will have it or not. I don't know. It remains to be seen. But we'll definitely see how he's inserted back into the team. Because at this point, with them being off, they're going to have a chemistry already set up with the unit that we have here already. And they're missing so much time frame, they are pretty much learning to play with each other without him. So you make a good point, DC. How would he fit in? Will watching the team play, would that be enough to help him be inserting himself back with the team once he's back healthy? That's what we want to pay close attention to because I do know for young players, sometimes it typically become a little bit harder. But again, if he's able to do it, make that adjustment, fantastic. But I do know early in the season when he's playing, he didn't look so good. He looked a step too slow to me. I'm like, man, something's wrong there, you know? But I do know he still got good defense, but his defense wasn't quite where it was last year versus this season when he got a chance to play. Well, I mean, right. you also got to realize that he was coming back from that high ankle sprain, and I don't think that he was out like 100% back from that. Also, one of my main things that I've said on this show multiple times, I still saw hesitation in this game, so I hope that that's something that he works on during his time away. But one thing that I think about now with the current Bulls, when we talk about the fact that Pat Williams isn't in that lineup, when you go to those small ball lineups, it affects you defensively at times, but now on the rebounding side of things, the Bulls the last couple of games have been out rebound. That shit matters in the NBA. Absolutely. And I think if you plan defense, that, that pretty much is everyone's responsibility on the team. That means the guards, power forwards, the center, all those guys got to rebound together. That's what helped the team. And I kind of saw sometimes this game, in some of these games we watched play without Pat Williams, you see some of the guys did step up in that area. But it's going to be the bench. They're going to have to play a pivotal role in that. I mean, Green right now has been starting. 
Um, and the team, I like his energy. Maybe he's a guy that can help, you know, spark the team with some rebounding press, some presence there. But you're right. We're going to need some good rebounding, man, from this team. And rebounding, too. Yeah, A-Dub, you make a good point. It has to be gang rebounding. It has to be a team effort, you know. Um, and you've seen that. Like, guys like Zach Levine will tap the ball out. Like, they're, like everyone has a desire to go out and grab that rebound, you know. Right. I don't think it's a matter of desire. Or lack. It's just we're just getting out muscle. We're just getting out position, boxing out. Like it's just a little simple things. And I feel like those mental mistakes are gonna uh, eventually be learned. You know, they're gonna learn the error of their ways there, and just they're gonna be able to compensate for for some of that lack of size just by creativity. You know, like correct. Some, like we saw the Golden State Warriors win how many championships going small. So it can work. It's just a matter of you know, just doing those little things to make it work. Yeah, but they also had Katie, Steph, and Clay, but I hear you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do go for that route. <laughs> <laughs> but now one guy that I do want to talk about, because DC, you kind of hit on this earlier when we were chatting, and you talked about Kobe White. And right now when I look at Kobe White, I say, I can't wait for this kid to get back out there because in the preseason, I talked about, damn, what's his role going to be? Because when they signed Lonzo, when they signed Caruso in here, those are two guys that they made four-year commitments to. And it almost like they put Kobe on notice. Like, hey, we just signed two guards in here. What you going to do now? So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on what do you see Kobe White's role being? Because I feel like we need him, especially right now with what I saw in the game tonight that we'll talk about another time. I think that this team is missing something, and I think he can provide a punch that's lacking on this team right now. Floor spacing. You know, he's a deadly threat behind the perimeter. And when you're bringing in Alex Caruso, when you're bringing in Io, who has been very impressive, you know, mm-hmm. he's been able to knock down shots. But we've seen Kobe White for the last couple seasons come in and just be dynamite, a spark plug. You know, he he's had those games where he's dropped, what, eight threes in a game and just just gone off. Him and Zach taking turns, going off. And I feel like when you add that to DeMar DeRozan's, I would say DeMar DeRozan has a calming presence. Just that vet, Stacey King referred to him as the adult in the room. Like, it's just that, you know what, <laughs> don't worry, guys, we got this. When you can take Kobe's, like, just that wild energy that he has, like, I don't care, I'm just, just, I'm shooting this thing. You know, him, Zach, I feel like when we see that trio together, DeMar, Kobe, and Zach, that's when you're really going to see the the offense clipping, I feel like. Whoa, <laughs> DC, hey, man, you stole some of the words out of my mouth there, man. That is a guy who I think could definitely be a scorer off the bench for the Bulls. Can, like you say, bring that energy, just get you those quick points because Cody likes to push the ball, you know, and you're right. He likes to take shots and he's been, he been a shot maker too. You know, he's been a guy who's been putting up points. So I think the Bulls really need that kind of a scoring off the bench. And I think that'll be a good spark for them. The Bulls probably would need that, especially like the game they lost today. You can see that gets them what they need. They need more of a spark because I don't expect, you know, ball to be that third wheel all the time. You're going to need a guy off the bench that really can do some damage. And I think he can be that guy for us. Yeah, I think he brings something to the table that those other guys don't bring because we've seen Kobe White get hot, right? And we see the fact, too, that he's got a quick first step. So that's something that I would love. And I I always joke with uh, DC about this. I call Kobe White baby BG. I love me some Ben Gordon. (laughs) And I feel like he got a little bit of that tool, a little bit. You know what I mean? Kobe. Kobe's 6'5". And Ben was, like, scratching the surface of six feet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so so he's a, he's a bigger guy. And, and I'm hoping with this this shoulder injury and all this time that he's had away from the court, he's had some time to internalize it and, 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 and see, hey, what else was I lacking? You know, we tried the experiment of putting him at the point guard position. Well, I hope he's worked on his hand, you know, in this time where he can't, you know, really take contact like that. I hope he's he's added some things to his game or, or just looked at DeMar and say, okay, I like that little trick right there. Okay, I can add that to my game. Like, Kobe is an intelligent uh, basketball player, and that's why he was the number seven overall pick for a reason. So, man, this is just going to add a whole different dynamic to the team like, that's really going to give them that, that boost. 
because right now we're, we're, you're starting to see that the league is on notice and they understand we're coming. So the guys yeah. are getting a little tired now. You're damn right they know we're coming. <laughs> exactly. And the one thing you all may have been paying attention to as well, you watch the boys play, you see uh, Caruso is really, you know, breaking the ball up a lot. I think in that sense of for the second unit, I would love to see Kobe be the guy that bring the ball up. So I think Caruso sometimes can fumble the ball a little bit, you know, and I saw him make some turnovers, some careless ones, but I know he makes some good passes as well, but it'd be good to see that ball in Kobe's hand, you know, we're pushing the ball and pushing the floor up, you know, and getting us into our sets a lot quicker, a lot easier as well. So, and also making some good, you know, good plays. So I think um, like you all were saying, that's why I think that missed in part because I've seen the IO come in. I mean, he come in with a spark, with that energy. And I think DC, you already alluded to that already, but I think Kobe kind of brings all that together. The scoring, the ball handling, you know, and the energy. So he's like a one guy can do all those things. Not bring the defense per se, but definitely from the offense side, he has it. We don't have to sacrifice IO when Kobe returns either. I want to see line up. Oh, they both could be out there. Yeah, they both could be out there. Yeah, Even better. Now, I was going to say this, though, to the point A-Dub was making about Kobe bringing the ball up. I don't know about that one, man. I would prefer to see Kobe playing off the ball. They tried to make Kobe the point guard last year. That shit was an epic fail. He don't know how to run an offense. He don't know how to run a team. This guy's a scorer. Put the ball in his hand. Let him go pick and pop. And just let him get hot. That's that's all I yeah. that's all I want to see. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all, Perez. That, that that's totally cool. You know, I just think that with Caruso bringing it sometimes, it's like the team kind of like slows down too much the pace wise. Not like for a guy like coming off the bench, bringing that energy and push the pace. And I think that's what Kobe brings to the table for me, pushing that pace, like you said, instant offense. Let's just go put the ball in the basket. Well, we see this in critical situations too, where teams will go offense defense, but you usually see that with the bigs. Yeah. I feel like we have that luxury now where we can go offense, defense with Caruso and Kobe, just depending yes. on what the Mm-hmm. Very good point, DC. Yeah, I could rock with that. I could rock with that. Guys, while we finish up our Bulls segment, let's recap the Jazz and the Boston Celtics victory. So, we know that the Bulls rebounded from that first loss of the season, that heartbreaker, and that game right there against the Knicks. <laughs> That thing came down to the wire. I told this to so many people, guys. I said, if this is how we're going to lose games, then I'm here for it. Because that loss didn't even feel like a loss to me. It felt like a win. It was that close. And they came back. And the one thing that this team has shown all season is a resilience, a don't quit type of attitude. They're not going to quit. To the point that you made, DC, earlier about Io. And you know, man, I'm a huge Io fan. I saw him last weekend down in Champaign. That dude right there is as fearless as they come. That dude right there is fearless. And you got a guy like that as a rookie that's coming in here and getting minutes? Man, that shows his makeup. That shows his desire. And that shows the fact that he has got this coaching staff confidence in him. This is a rookie. Nobody expected Io to be coming in here getting 15, 20 minutes a night. But he's doing that shit right now. So I thought that was a hell of a call out earlier, D.C. Yeah, he's bringing that Noah energy. Think about it, because when Noah was drafted, we had Ben Wallace here. You know, Noah came in with that hustle and that energy, and and he really pushed those vets back in the day. And I feel like Io now, this is the good, this is that good type of push. He's pushing the rest of the guys. Like, look, man, if you need some help, you you got some help. You know, I don't I don't care. Whatever it takes, I will do it. Like he's got that fearless, like you said, that fearless mentality. So. His spot is, is is starting to become solidified with this type of uh, this type of activity that he's providing. Yeah, man, Io is playing good. I mean, you, you right, come off the bench and taking advantage of the time that he's given, man. And um, just seeing him against the Boston game, man. In that Boston game, you know, he made some big shots there. You know, I'm like, this kid just don't quit, man. He's gonna just keep going and going and going, man. And um, as a unit, they all just playing well and feeding off each other, man. When that energy gets going, everyone. Looks around, hey, it's time to step our game up. And that's what they've been doing, even coming back against Boston. You know, it's like, man, these guys are the bringing it. I mean, the steals, Io, he'll make it buckets. I said, these guys are going to bring that, that defense effort. And I think Io is one of those guys that come in. People don't talk about his defense, but he actually put the effort on that end of the game as well. And he's, he's learning his mistakes too, guys. He's, he's yes. really like in the yes. Utah game. He had error balls and, and turnovers. He was a little hesitant. But then you saw him correct that in the very next right. game in that Boston game. So, yeah, like, he's, yep. he's taking criticism. He's putting it on himself, and he's like, all right, what do I need to do to get better? And he's doing it. No, that's, that's a fair point. Now, to the point that you were making, A-Dub, Io made some clutch shots there in that third quarter. But 
we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Lonzo Ball and how he got out of the gate in that ball game. He came out oh, hot. Oh, man. Woo! <laughs> hey, Prez, did he not come out hot, man? I said, man, these guys coming in putting that ball in the bucket. I mean, we're talking about from three. I mean, he yeah. got hot. The Bulls started hot. They had a nice little run going on, man. I said, okay, the game is coming really easy to this Bulls team. Maybe they start to feel like something a little bit, Prez. That's probably what we got down that game after the comeback because the game yeah. started to come easy in that first quarter. And I'm like, man, you guys are getting a little bit too relaxed on defense. And yep. then they turned it up, you know, and they decided, hey, you know what? We're going to show, you know, Tatum and, uh, and Brown that they respect by double-team those guys and getting steals and the Bulls made a comeback run. So, but you're right, man. These guys have been scoring at the point where you're like, man, we got scores, legit scores. Now, I mean, he, you saw DeRozan, he put on the show. You know, you saw, you know, your boy um Zach. These guys can score, man. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, too. DeRozan followed up from that Utah Jazz game where he got hot. Yeah. Because he, cause he hit them. For third. <laughs> yes, he did, man. And you know what? If I had to even say an early MVP in this team, I'd probably have to say DeRozan, man, because this guy, I mean, I like Zach. You know that. I'm a big Zach fan. He's the of all-star. Course. I think, of course. But, you know, but, man, DeRozan is making some noise. When people called him out, say he was done and thought he was done for his, done where? This guy looks like he's still in his prime, which I believe he is anyway. But he's actually playing some good ball, man. He's picking his shots, picking where he wants to score from whether it's from the post, whether it's from the elbow. I mean, he's making some very good plays coming in, man. So I got to give the Rosen a lot of credit for what he brought to the table for this team offensively. One point that I want to say to piggyback off of that, when it comes to DeRozan, and I'm going to keep reminding our listeners of this fun fact, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan was called the worst offseason move. I want you guys to message me, the writers and writer, <laughs> that created that article because I'm going to spend every home game and away game, sending him DeMar DeRozan's stats. Because if that's what you thought the worst offseason move was, and not Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers, keep that same energy, sir, because I'm going to be in your DMs every goddamn day. Because you called our our guy out. And you know what? I'm sure he read the article. He wasn't worried about that. But I'm telling you, you don't give a guy like that motivation. DeMar DeRozan's already shown you who he was. He got traded away from the Raptors. For Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard goes and wins that championship. You don't think that that shit stung him? That hurt him. This man, DeMar DeRozan, is on a mission right now. He wants to win, and I'm here for it. I know you say this a lot, Chris, you know, in terms of Detroit, how you don't particularly care for them too much. <laughs> but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this moment out of here. You remember how the 2004 Detroit Pistons, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, uh, ben Wallace, just guys that would look at his afterthoughts. Like, these guys ain't going to make it in the league. They had their chance, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of things said about those guys. But that was the one thing that bonded those guys the most. And that brought them a championship. Now, unfortunately for Detroit, they haven't had a championship in times, you know, since then. But <laughs> for, Bulls, uh, for our Bulls, for Chicago's Bulls, the thing that is bonding them together is Zach Levine has heard, oh, Zach can't win in this league. He can't take a team to the playoffs. Yeah, he, he's just empty stats of blah, blah, blah. DeMar DeRozan, he's old. He's washed up, blah, blah, blah. You know, like these guys have heard all the negative talk. And when Mark Eversley visited DeMar DeRozan at his house, you don't think he didn't lay that game plan out there? Like, look at what is being said about our guys. You know, they're saying the same things about you. Pull some Avengers shit. Like, yeah, let's bring this thing together. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mark Eversley went out there like Nick Fury, like, nah, nah, nah. Let's bring this thing together. And and you know, it's 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 it's, it's showing. He's showing it in his and his game, dude. It's 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 so old school. It's that 80s, 90s style. And he could he could Tom Brady this thing. I know D. Rose talked about he wanted Tom Brady this thing. DeMar DeRozan's game is fit to play till 38, 39 if need be. Agreed. Agreed. Because he plays at his own pace, man. You got to go for the guy, man. You know, you do. You guys brought up Zach Levine's name earlier. And I, and I also have to still say that Zach Levine, I feel so fortunate that now he's in a position where we can see him play with other NBA talent. Because for the last couple of seasons, this has been frustrating watching him play hero ball. Because that's all he had to do. If he didn't do it, who was? Right. So in this early part of the season, I've seen some games where Zach Levine's kind of started off cold. 
But in that last game, he heated up in that second half. It shows you how dangerous this lineup is going to be. And I can only imagine how good this lineup is going to be when Vucevic steps up and does what he needs to do. Because that, to me, has been a part of the team that I'm wondering, Vooch, when you going to step up, man? I'm waiting on it. Where you at, bro? Yeah, he's the X factor to me, Brad. So I think you're right. We get our two guards going. To me, I still look at Zach Levine and, you know, um, DeRozan as guards, but either one can play small for whatever. But you're right. We got to get Vooch involved. I mean, we try to get him involved, but we got to get him to be consistent, right? To pick his spots and, and where to be aggressive at. And I think once he figure out how to play with both of those guys, he'll do just fine. Yeah, it's like that old Boost Mobile commercial back in the day. Where you at? The whole city's behind us. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Chicago's, Chicago's getting behind the Bulls now. Come on, Boots. We, we, we can't let them down. It's kind exactly. Of, he's a vet. You know, He's he's been in the league. You know, it, it, he might just be that 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 old card. You just got to go out there 15 minutes and, and warm it up a little bit. And, you know, just you know, put your foot on the gas. And <laughs> you can't get going. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So maybe game 20, you know, let, let him get a few more games on this film. I feel like he'll deliver. But tonight in that in that Philly game, man, like really, really could have used some more of an offensive punch. And I know he had his hands full with Joel Embiid, but man, we need you, Booch. Yeah, he had his hands full with Embiid and with those reps, but uh, we'll, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get into that on, on, on another show. But Because there's a lot that I do want to unpack on that Bulls-Philly game. Because I think that game also brought us some issues that I have early on with this team. Now, I know that sounds weird because they only lost two games. But I'm looking ahead. I'm looking at the fact that the schedule is starting to get tougher. And I want to definitely reset some of our expectations around here and get people to realize that, hey, while this team has been great and they've come out the gates hot, we got to get these rotations to DC's point that he was making earlier. Billy Donovan has to get a semblance of a rotation in, in place and stick to that shit. He's a little haphazard with his rotations. And there's just certain times that I just don't like how the ball moves on offense. In tonight's game, I thought Levine, he went hero ball. There were multiple occasions there where Lonzo was wide open in the corner. I don't know if he didn't see him because I saw him open over there. And so those are just situations that we got to clean up. But we'll get into that on in a future episode. But I would love to hear you guys give a, a thorough breakdown on not only the, the Philly game when we talk next, but also that revenge game that's coming up this weekend. Looking forward to that right there, Prez. All right. Yeah. So our, our last segment here is going to be breaking down the Chicago Bears. So. Audience, the Chicago Bears had another embarrassing loss, 33-22 to against the San Francisco 49ers, a very winnable game. Fellas, I'm going to kick this over to you guys. What are one of your takeaways each from this ballgame? Because there's a lot to unpack when it comes to the Chicago Bears football team right now. I felt the Chicago Bears made too many mistakes in the second half of that game. You know, uh, I thought we had a chance to win. We played a very good first half. And then the second half is where things changed. And I thought part of the offense side of it, we just didn't keep up. We started making mistakes, getting sacked, you know, penalties. All those things started to build up and add up over time. And if you can't do that, you know, it puts you, put a lot of pressure on your offense and, and also pressure on the defense to make plays for you. You know, I, I was telling myself, you know, I got to go out and buy some milk. But, you know, if, if, if I do pick up a carton of milk at the grocery store and I see Allen Robinson's name on it, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like you still got to get that chemistry down. Offensively, this was probably Justin Fields' best game. But where's the chemistry with your weapons? Just, you know, you got you to gotta continue to, to, to showcase that. And, and I didn't see it in that second half. Well, we haven't seen that chemistry with set weapons because, as we've talked about, it's because Justin Fields didn't get reps with the one. So there's a lot of blame that could go around there. The situation that you brought up with A-Rob, I think that's a, a fair point. A-Rob has not been the A-Rob that we've grown to, to love here. Before the season, most of us were still saying extend A-Rob. A lot of those people have left the building. A lot of people want the Bears to trade A-Rob. I'm one of the minority to just say, if you're not going to re-sign him, you should have traded him today. The fact that they didn't trade the guy made me wonder, well, what, what's the thinking here? And one takeaway that I have on why the Bears probably didn't make any moves to the trade deadline, which I thought they should have been sellers. I think they think that they can still make it to the playoffs. And I think the pace of Nagy are trying to save their fucking jobs. 
<laughs> of course, friends. They're trying to save their jobs, man. Uh, but you're right. That's probably why they didn't pull the trigger. They also starting to see a lot of good things out of Justin Fields and his growth and development. So he pretty much has some high hopes for what this offense might be in the past game. If, um, you know, Justin Fields continue to uh, make progression, which I, we all believe he will. So you're right. They want to make the playoffs. You know, not saying we're going to get a high seed, maybe a low seed. But, man, I mean, they think that we can probably get in there. So um, right now we're not out of it yet. So we do have a chance. Yeah, and I saw that Aaron Rodgers uh, contracted COVID, so he's not playing this coming week. So, you know, the NFC North is still, you know, it's it's, it's still there. I mean, Packers are running away, but yeah, we might be able to sneak into your point, Abel. And to your point, Perez, too, I agree. That's an excellent theory right there. They are probably trying to save their jobs because, you know, why set it up for the next guy that's going to come in and replace you? You know, like just kind of go down with, with what you got if you're going to go down. And that's exactly where I was going with that, you know. So at the standpoint here, I think these guys are in self-preservation mode. And I will say this. This is one thing that I did not share on DB that I wanted to talk through with our listeners real quick is the fact that Matt Nagy was not there on Sunday and that Tabor was the interim head coach. I think it shined a light more so on Ryan Pace's failures. Now, and I did say this part when it comes to – Nagy, Tabor, Desai, Bill's Laser. To me, it doesn't matter. You could throw fucking Billy Moore into the mix. It doesn't fucking matter because you got to look at this roster, the makeup of this roster, and look at the scheme, the play design. There's all these type of things that are the problem right now. So I did like some of the things that I saw from Tabor with time management, how he utilized timeouts. I thought they had a pretty good flow at times. But at the end of the day, they still didn't get the fucking job done. It's all about getting the W. It's not about any sort of moral victories. Now, we all were excited to see what Justin Fields did. If Justin Fields showed you in this ballgame, he could be fucking special. And we've been saying it. You got to give the kid time. You got to get the kid in situations where he can be successful. You got to protect the kid. He can't be running for his fucking life. I've also said that Matt Nagy is not the coach to get Justin Fields to that next level, which is why I want them to get Matthew out of here at the end of this season. I want to call him Matthew. <laughs> At the end of this this season, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people at Alice Hall that just need a breath of fresh air. And by whatever means that needs to take shape, I'm pretty sure Justin Fields is going to need a breath of fresh air in terms of his head coach. <laughs> He's gonna, I hear you, Matt Nagy. Matthew, as you just so eloquently called him, <laughs> send long text messages. <laughs> and Justin Fields is not really having that. So. Yeah, dude, I, I heard that. That was pretty funny, man. It reminded me of just, you know, you know, just in my professional life, sometimes, you know, you, you have leaders that they, they try, you know, and they try and they try. Right. You know, you got to respect them for, for, for their position. But I don't think Justin Fields really thinks or knows or it feels in his soul that Matt Nagy is going to be that Bill Belichick for his career. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be every step of the way with these two guys. No. Right. And, and this is something that, that <laughs> we've talked about prior is the fact that Bill Lazor and, and Justin Fields obviously have better rapport and camaraderie than Nagy and Fields have. Nagy seems, and I've just, I've never had a conversation with him outside of that briefing when we had it at House Hall, A-Dub, but he strikes me as a guy that's very spazzy. And I can only imagine if I'm a rookie quarterback trying to play in an NFL game and I got my head coach saying all kinds of crazy shit in my helmet and in my headset. Like, I'm like, okay, right. I got to snap this ball in fucking four <laughs> seconds and you still calling the fucking play. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> right, right, friends. And you know what? Without having Nagy all in his ear, we saw him have a decent game, a very good game, right? Probably his best of the season that you mentioned, Perez. So you're right. <laughs> That's all relates to how you play in that game, really, you know? Because he didn't do bad in that game at all. The kid was playing his butt off, you know? So he played freely, like he didn't have any worries, right? And that's the kind of pressure that Nagy probably been putting on him all this time frame. So to see him play without that, without the guy on his ear, calling for a second place rest, he played pretty good, man. Yeah, he played loose. You got the coach yep. here calling the play and then trying to tell you, so then after the game, your, your pregame meal should be like, coach, we're trying to win the game. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as, much, as much time as Justin Fields has spent on the field getting sacked, 
you gotta look at that. That's that's probably an accurate assessment right there. Like he's he's probably just had enough of that man's voice, enough of his extra whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like this this everybody, like I said, needs a breath of fresh air at some point. So hopefully yeah, exactly. And and I like the analogy that DC made when it comes to leadership, because I think about what's going on to my current employer. And there's been so many like senior leaders that have left. But what's been happening with that is it's new ideas that's been coming in. It's diversity, young thought processes, and, and new approaches to doing business. And it's been a breath of fresh air. And I think the House Hall, they need to have that. Because right now, you got people in roles that shouldn't be in those roles. You know, I would say Ted Phillips, hey, he's a money man. He's smart. Get him out of my football operations. Bring in Peyton Manning. If you want Ted Phillips to still work here, put him on the business side and let him work with that Arlington Heights stadium that they're going to try to get built. Let him go do that because he's obviously good at making moves and making business decisions. Brian Pace, if you want to put him over there with Ted Phillips, go right ahead. But I want a new president of operations. I want a new general manager. I want a new head coach. I want everything to be changed. You got to change this whole structure. You can't expect things to, to, oh, well, we drafted the new quarterback. Oh, we we drafted a, a new running back. But it's the same bullshit. It's the same culture. This is not a winning culture. It's not a good football team. I've said it many times. I think people thought I was joking when I said that. This is not a good football team. This season is all about Justin Fields. And I think people need to realize that. At this point, the culture, this team pretty much is a 500 team around that press. That's what they've been the past few seasons, right? Somewhere along those lines, we have not gotten to that next step. So I think, really, we're going to have to really figure this whole thing out. And I think, you're right, it starts from top down, press. It can't be from bottom up, the other way around. And I'll throw out this point. I know I mentioned it on last week's episode. you got teams in this city that are showing you that when you clean house, and you take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and say, all right, well, this is what we got to do. We got we to gotta right the ship. We got to, you know, freshen things up a little bit. The Bulls have done it. The Bears can do it, too. You know, you can't throw out the garbage and, and just leave the moldy fruit on the counter and just think everything's just going to smell nice. You know what I'm saying? Like you, gotta house. you know what I'm saying? You got to make sure everything is spick and span as possible. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just going to take it's going to take some time. But we've seen, we've seen in this town done quickly. So it can it can happen. Uh, so that's a fair point. And like, and like I said, audience, I knew we was going to have a lot on the Bears segment here today. I mean, it's just the nature of this of this situation here. There's just so much to talk about with this team. And I hope somehow they get they they turn it up down the stretch that the defense remembers how to play defense that Justin Fields continues to put good game after good game after good game together, that A-Rob and Justin Fields start to get some chemistry, that Darnell fucking Mooney starts catching the goddamn ball. I'm so tired of seeing balls tip off of his fucking hand. Now, I know that's hey does boy, but, man, it's tough seeing that shit because he's so talented. Catch the fucking ball, bro. Come on, man. Last season, he caught the ball. I think he may only miss one catch. This right. season's like, man, this guy missed a whole hell of a lot, man. And I'm very disappointed. So the bank's been closed, Chris. It really has been. My God. <laughs> um, I mean, at the end of the day here, you know, we, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up on the calendar here. I'm hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers can be our Detroit Lions. Because you all know that I call Detroit Lions Robitussin. When you're feeling <laughs> down and low and when you're feeling sick, all you need is a little bit of that tussin. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers can be that new tussle. I hope so, too, because we can take this win. We need it, man. Yes, sir. Final segment time, if this city could talk. And mine's going to be shortened to the point. This one goes out to the McDonald's CEO and his victim-blaming comments that he made. So some text messages came out where he reached out to Mayor Lightfoot when we had some high-profile murders that happened in inner city. And he basically said, hey, these things are uncontrollable, but the parents are to blame here, and those parents put those kids in those situations to, to be killed. And so I would say, if this city could talk, it would say to the McDonald's CEO that you don't know the circumstances of these parents. A large number of these parents are single moms. I grew up in a single mom household. And so you can't always blame the parents 
from if a kid decides to go wayward, especially like in my case, when my mom had two jobs. A lot of times my mom put the onus on me to be the man in the house at a young age. Right. You can't blame parents for doing what they have to do. And sometimes the kids out here need to step up and do better. So I just didn't like that situation where he was blaming that shit on the parents. It wasn't a good look. You can't just put the blame on parents. There's a lot of violence and stuff that's going on right here. But this, to me, came off as another rich, entitled person talking out of turn. You making comments about some shit that you clearly could never understand. So if this city could talk, think before you speak. Think before you speak and also know the circumstances. If this city can talk, it will say salute to Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for the Light the Night Walk that occurred at Soldier Fields. I want to bring awareness to cancer. And I will say they're doing a great job with that. The walk was excellent. It's always good to see companies like this doing great things to bring awareness to bad things that are happening. You know, and everyone knows about what cancer can do. And if you ever had anything, anything of that nature impact your family, I can definitely empathize with you on that part because it has happened to my family. So I appreciate Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for raising money, for bringing awareness to this. And I've always made my donations. So the city would say congratulations to them for bringing awareness to it and continue doing so. Great points, fellas. If this city could talk, it would give a big congratulations to Chicago's very own Chance the Rapper. And me coming from the South Side, pretty much growing up right around the corner from Chance in all Gresham neighborhood. For any young Black kids, especially, you know, young Black boys, you know, you, you don't see that much inspiration around you. So when you close your eyes and you try to dream, you got to squeeze your eyes a little bit hard just to, just to picture it, you know, sometimes. But this is a man that pictured what he wanted. He went out, got his dreams, you know, grabbed them by the horns, you know, no pun intended on our Chicago Bulls right now. But this man just bought a $2.3 million mansion and Bannockburn. So he's moving on up to the north side. But man, that just goes to show you that, you know, with a little faith and belief and just never giving up on yourself, man, you could do incredible things in this life. So people never forget that. Never give up on yourself. You know, do right. Go get your dreams. Shout out to Chance. And that's, he's a long way from 84 from Michigan, huh, uh, DC? Hey, man, it's a lot of traffic out here in these streets, but, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he, he's going to be around there. You know, Chance always shows love, shows his grace. So, you know, shout out to Chance. Yes, sir. For real, for real. <laughs> well, audience, we appreciate you guys' continued support of the show. And as I mentioned, we're going to be digging deep into the Windy City Bulls and Chicago Bulls content here going forward. So you guys will get a lot of that content from us going forward, whether it's player and coach interviews. So stay tuned for that. As always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. You can connect with us at Chicago Versus. The Crave It app is available on Apple and Android applications. We're the Chicago State of Mind podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT. You asked all my teammates. One thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.